0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to episode 53 of The Snyder Cut. I am your newly shaved host. Jeff Snyder, senior film reporter at Collider, and oh my god, it's popping off, guys. It's popping off for a Thursday, because Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange just joined the cast of Spider-Man 3. Hello, Multiverse of Madness, baby. Uh, This follows the news that Jamie Foxx would be reprising his role as Electro from the amazing Spider-Man 2, which is, you know, even like a bigger WTF, Right. Because at least Doctor Strange and Cumberbatch are in this sort of current timeline with Tom Holland Spider Man, whereas we all tried to forget about Electro. We all tried to wipe our collective memories about this guy. Was not a big fan of the Amazing Spider Man 2, Not gonna lie. Um, yeah, Electro as a villain, I just thought he looked kind of goofy. He didn't really do it for me. I think Jamie Fox tweeted something like, "Electro is not going to be blue in this." I don't know how he would just suddenly start glowing another color. Um, maybe he just won't be Electro. Maybe he'll just be Max, whatever his name was. Uh, and we'll see him outside of the the blue of it all. I don't know. But that was definitely, that, to- that took me by surprise. Although it shouldn't have really. Like we knew that Benedict Cumberbatch and, and you know, the Doctor Strange sequel were going to be opening those doors. Those portal portals to other dimensions, if you will. I don't really have any any inside knowledge. Um, you know, people have talked about, there's been speculation about Kirsten Dunst coming back as MJ and Dane DeHaan coming back as, as the Green Goblin, as Harry Osborn. Um, you know, and and that could be true. And and it's like, if you're going to bring back Jamie Foxx's Electro, like, why not just go nuts and bring back somebody from, like, every Spider-Man movie or past incarnation? It's not... But, like, if you're going to do that, why not just get Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire at that point, right? Like, that's what people would be like, oh, my God. Like, Jamie Foxx's Electro, eh, I don't know. Are people excited about that? Didn't didn't seem like it. It seemed like more of a head scratcher than a, like, oh, my God, I'm ten times more pumped for this movie than I, than I was before. Um, Doctor Strange, on the other hand, I like Doctor Strange. I thought he was an interesting character. You know, he's a little arrogant. Maybe you know someone like that. Um, And, and you know, he gets humbled He gets humbled after being trained in in the ancient arts And uh, so I guess he's going to be positioned as more of a father figure character Much like, you know, Tony Stark and and Iron Man were in in the first one And then Nick Fury became in the second one um, Far From Home when he's traveling internationally I like the idea of Doctor Strange sort of becoming a, a mentor a role model for Spider-Man who, you know, he's kind of arrogant too. He kind of has a, a bit of an ego and an attitude, Peter Parker, I think. Um, or at least this iteration of it, you know, because I, I, I could never really buy, you know, t- t- uh, Tom Holland is like a nerd, like I could, oh, Tobey Maguire a little bit. Like there was always something kind of cool, about Tom Holland that I don't think Toby Maguire necessarily had. Um, and they're two different, you know, they're two different depictions of the character. I get it. Anyways, we're going to be getting, you know, Zendaya back and, and Marissa Tomei, Jacob Batalon, Tony Revolori. It sounds like they're going to be shooting Dr. Strange's scenes in Spider-Man three before he goes off to London to shoot the Dr. Strange proper sequel, which is uh, being directed by Sam Raimi um, we haven't really heard any casting on the Doctor Strange two front, uh, and I imagine that we'll, that, you know, we'll still be hearing a lot more stuff about Spider Man three. Like, I don't think it, that the surprises are done here by by any means. Although I certainly can't confirm some of the names that have been floating out there. Um. So yeah, Spider Man swinging at you soon. I, I, you know what? I miss it. It's like I. And it's crazy to think that we're going to be getting, like, eight Marvel movies in 14 months, I think it is. It's literally a Marvel movie almost every six weeks. And like Before, I was kind of like, oh, my God, we're going to conquer movie every month. It's just exhausting. And it was. And, and like, I've appreciated this break, but it, it would also be really nice to see one of those movies, whether it's on the big screen or streaming, you know, at home. Um, let's talk about those release dates, by the way. So Collider broke the news that, uh, that Dune had been delayed this week. Took took, took a little bit of doing, but um, came together relatively quickly. Uh, and, and you know, like, when I first heard that the date was October 1st, 2021, I mean, everything's so fluid. I, was, I didn't even think to, like, I thought about looking it up. I was like, should I go to Box Office Mojo and see what's on that date? Or It doesn't even matter, really, because, like, it's so gobbledygook at this point. Uh, And, but, you know, as soon as I posted, I realized that's when the Batman is supposed to come out. So it was kind of inevitable that the Batman was going to be moving, flapping its wings somewhere else. Um, You know, I I actually, you know, in in our Slack, I was like, well, Batman is obviously moving. I should pre-write a story, but I thought it would wait until the morning. So I was going to take care of it that night. I started doing it and then I you know was like, yeah, I'll I'll get to it uh, in a little bit. Um, but no, they went ahead and changed it that night i 'm sure they had just like, a flood of calls i 'm sure everybody was just like up their ass um and so yeah, Batman moved to march they they like March for Batman i mean that 's where they put out Batman versus Superman i It just feels doesn 't feel right to me although it didn 't feel like it didn 't feel i don 't know October for that matt Reeves movie sounded interesting when when i I'm relieved it's not Christmas because I don't really think Batman is a Christmas thing. But to me, July is Batman. Uh, Maybe that's just the Dark Knight movies for me. I don't know if I love March for it. But again, anything could happen. Anything could change. So Dune got pushed from December to October, which I think is a better move for Dune. Like That first week of October, we had uh, movies like The Martian. That's where Warner Brothers put that one. Sorry. Excuse me. Fox put The Martian there. It was Warner Brothers to put gravity in early October? But like those big kind of sci fi things like Dune, I think are good for early October. I think this is a good date. It sucks that we can't see it in December, but you know, people on my timeline are like, well, why don't they just put it out on HBO Max or like VOD? Like, you, you don't understand that the numbers just don't add up, they don't work. Okay, so you can't, it's too big. You can't. And that's eventually, they've already spent on marketing for this. Uh, plus, if you're Denis, if you're Denise Villeneuve, what? Why would like you made this movie for the big screen? You made this movie for theaters. Why on earth would you send it to HBO Max? Like, it just it doesn't make sense financially. It doesn't make sense artistically, creatively. Like, with a cast like that, come on. I, you can move movies to HBO Max. If Shazam Two is supposed to come out next month, and now we're talking about a year delay. I could see that going to HBO Max because it's half the budget of doing and It hadn't already started marketing and stuff like that. And it's just like the stars are smaller, you know? Um, It's not like as big a conversation when you go to, you know, Zach, what's his name? I'm blanking on the Shazam guy's name. Uh, But if you you go to Shazam's agent, you're like, listen, we're putting this out on, on HBO Max or whatever it's a different conversation than than, than Chalamet and Brolin, I, Oscar Isaac, Momoa, Bardem. Like it's, it's just too big. It's too big. Zendaya particularly. Um, also, okay. So that led to like a chain reaction, right? Dune, Batman, all of a sudden, be- black Adams off the character. They've been casting that up. It's not, it doesn't even have a date anymore, which I understand because I'm sure the rock you know, after the jungle cruise thing is just like, what are we even putting dates on these movies for? Like we're staking a claim. Like, you know what? We're black Adam. I'm the rock. Whatever date you're going to, you're going to, you want to put me on people are going to move. That's how it works. Um, the flash. That's another movie that got delayed. Billy Crudup joined the cast this week. Officially, I guess he'd been, he was in then he was out because of all the director changes. Now he's back in and thank God because Billy Crudup is just wonderful. Everybody loves Billy Crudup. Just won an Emmy for uh, the, the morning show. So he's going to be playing dad. But Kiersey Clemens, her her involvement is still up in the air. It's kind of emb- – I think it would be kind of embarrassing for them to not use her at this point. But at the same time, the fact that they haven't confirmed her casting suggests to me that Andy Machete wants to find his own Iris West. Like, he, ha- he doesn't really owe her anything because she, she didn't play the part, right? She hasn't played the part yet. She hasn't originated the role. So I, I think that Andy is open to, to casting who he wants. I think he ultimately will – you know, I, I don't know if, if, if there's a way for Kier, uh, Kirsten Clemens to sort of save face. You know, maybe Warner Brothers gives her something else. She was just in Scoob, right, I think. Um, but yeah, the whole, you know, the dominoes fell this week. And the only one that, that was sort of left standing and, in fact, moved up when all was said and done was the Matrix 4. That moved up to Christmas. And I, I kind of love that for the Matrix 4. Which, you know, we still really have no idea. Like, plot details have not really leaked on that movie, which is impressive. Um, I guess I got to get my nose to the grindstone on that. And then another, like, you know, big title news. Uh, Let's see. Jurassic World Dominion halted filming, which, you know, they got a couple of positive tests and, and they had to shut down. And... That's the right thing to do. I can't imagine the millions of dollars that it's costing Universal. I think when the when the first like delay was announced, I think the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or something like that said that um, it was going to cost Universal around nine million. But that was obviously be- before this two uh, week you know shutdown that they've had to do where you, you have to keep paying, you know, crew, you know, because otherwise they're going to move on to the next job. So I would say, this is just me throwing it out there, when all is said and done, it's got to be between 15 and $25 million that this pandemic has added to the total of Jurassic World. And it's not the end of the world, because you can make that up at the box office. I just don't know if you can make it up under these circumstances. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, it was also reported this week that Thor 4 was going to be dealing with Jane Foster's cancer storyline. You know, having having lost my, my mother to cancer, I think that that is a that's a smart move. Like it's a way to introduce real stakes and issues and things like and explain them via comic book movies to, to young children who obviously frequent these films. Um, you know, so that's so that, you know, if mommy or daddy ever gets sick, you know, you can say, well, you know, remember what Jane Foster was dealing with in, in Thor 4? Mommy and Daddy under has to undergo chemotherapy or whatever, you know, radiation, whatever it is. It's a way, it's just like a way of uh, introducing those kind of mature themes. Um, so I, I'm very pleased to see that, that Thor 4 is going to be doing that. And maybe at the end of this cancer treatment, you know, she becomes the new Hulk. And it's, you know, like, well, that that's not how reality works. That's how it works in superhero movies. But it is nice to know that there are normal people in these films dealing with normal issues, you know? Even like uh, the sort of estrangement with um, Paul Rudd, and, and not estrangement, but like, you know, separation, he's divorced, you know, him and his wife, they're, they, they co parent together, and she has this new boyfriend, Bobby Cannavale. Like Like, that, maybe that's what I always liked about anime, or I, I just don't really see a lot of that stuff in a lot of MCU and certainly DC movies, I would say um so yeah that's sort of it on the big i think so on the big title front for movies this week um yeah pretty much all right let's just run down the list and we've got plenty of i want to talk about trailers i want to you know talk about some movies that i've seen and we're gonna take some mailbag questions as well but uh let's get to the big tv casting patty considine gonna star in house of the dragon the game of thrones prequel they're trying to do a game of thrones prequel with naomi watts it just didn't work out and again i don't care i didn't watch game of thrones i am not invested in any prequel it doesn't matter who they cast in and however i like this because i like patty constantine i think he's a very very solid actor like he's been doing it for i don't know what 15 20 years at this point like just very consistent, always interesting, you know, l- lends a bit of gravitas, some international flavor as well. He, you know, HBO obviously likes the guy. He was in The Insider this year. He's in The Third Day as well, which I have not started watching. Um, I, 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 that's a very ambitious show. And I know they just have, like this whole immersive 12-hour thing. Like, I, I don't know if I want to be involved in something like that. Just, just just give me the show, HBO. But um Patty Considine, he's an actor's actor. And I guess in, in this show, he's like playing like a nice, kind man. And when you're king, sometimes you can't always be nice and kind. So I don't know if it's gonna sort of depict him as as weak or or soft, but uh, I think that I think the show's off to a good start. Like Patty Considine bodes well. So if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you don't know why you should be excited or interested about this. Patty Considine's reason number one, Allison Williams, get out star and star of HBO's girls. That's more my cup of tea. She is going to start in Megan, this sort of AI horror thriller um, involving, you know, basically a dog who, who just wants to help, but you know, in order to help, they, they need to learn everything about you and, and you know, wants to protect you and maybe it, it misconstrues certain other people in your life. I, I, listen, this is child's play, isn't it? Isn't that what we're talking about here? Um, I think this is like what James, James Wan and Jason Blum. It's, it's got, I think this is the James Wan uh, one, one, but uh, it's got some heavy hitters behind it, obviously. And I really like Allison Williams uh, doing these genre films. I didn't love the per- perfection, but that, that movie does have a lot of fans I just feel like that's, that's what we just saw with with Child's Play. And that was a big IP that that's Chucky, you know, and it had a brilliant marketing campaign playing off a Toy Story four. And it's like, if you can't really get a win with that, how is this going to differ? Is this something that just gets pawned off, you know, to to, to Netflix or Amazon and now the Blumhouse has the welcome to the Blumhouse stuff. Like that's the vibe I get from it. Um, it's not. It doesn't feel to me like this is the next gut get, gut out get out or us. That's, what, that's. G- Gus, <laughs> the next Gus. Um, but again, I, I can buy on it. Like pres I can buy her as like this brilliant roboticist. She present. She projects. I'm, I can't talk today. She projects a certain intelligence, and maybe that's just because she's the daughter of Brian Williams. But uh, anyways, her and Blumhouse. It works. It works for me. I'll I'll, I'll check it out. I was interested in this Lost Ollie series that got announced uh, by Netflix as well uh, this week. Um, It's just about about a lost toy. And again, it sounds a lot like Toy Story, (laughs) come to think of it. But it's from the director of uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And it just, like, the first image, it kind of captured my heart, like... It was just so sweet. I I could see kids falling in love with that thing. There was an announcement this week about uh, Idris Elba and John Cena working together on something called head of state described as like a throwback nineties action movie. I, I I imagine it uh, involves the president. I could see Idris Elba playing the president and John Cena having to protect him. Or maybe they're both like secret service guys who have very different styles or something. And, uh, I don't, know. I don't know what the log line here is. I just know John Cena in a 90s style, like two hander action movie. That sounds cool. Um, Elba is a busy guy, man. He he is just striking while that iron is hot. James McAvoy and Claire Foy signing on to do this uh, thing called My Son. And it's like a, a kidnapping thriller. Man's, or, uh, we don't know that it's a kidnapping thriller. The, the boy disappears, if there ever was a boy, you know, if you've ever seen uh, that Lodge Kerrigan movie. Um, the twist to this one, which is interesting. because it's a remake is that James McAvoy is not going to be getting a script. He won't be given any dialogue. He's going to have to improvise his way through this. Claire Foy, on the other hand, will know sort of what's going on, but he's going to be in the dark. And if there's anybody who, who I think uh, can pull that off and, and make it interesting, it is a guy like James McAvoy who just played like 30 different characters in, in split and glass. Like he's just an exciting guy who makes exciting choices and, and, and He's not afraid of putting himself out there on, on a bit of a tightrope, and, and that's what this is going to be. It's, it sounds like a fun exercise. I, I, they'll probably shoot it overseas, I imagine. It's um, a, a good pairing, McAvoy and Foy. What if they got married and she became Claire McA, McA, McAvoy? McAvoy? Beats me. Um, we broke another little casting story this week. We gotta, I got a text. I got to check it out. Hold on. Tanner Buchanan, the star of Cobra Kai, He plays uh, Johnny Lawrence's son, Robbie, right? He's going to be starring in He's All That. This is a gender-swapped remake of She's All That. I love She's All That. I grew up on that uh, movie. So this one is with uh, TikTok sensation, Addison Rae, and she's going to be playing the social media influencer who decides to make it her mission to make, you know, some, the nerdy kid in school the next prom king. The thing about this is that Tanner Buchanan, um, he's kind of he kind of looks like a leading man, like he he's a good-looking kid. <laughs> so the the challenge will be in making him look nerdy. And I hope they don't just like slap a pair of glasses on him, like that's because that's just lazy shorthand. I hate that when they're like, oh, here here's a pair of glasses. You're a nerd now. That's not really how it works. And you can't just change someone uh, from from being a nerd because it's all in here and up here, right? we're all nerds at hearts. It doesn't matter if you, if you outgrow playing with uh, your nerdy obsessions. Um, Tanner Buchanan, I don't really watch Cobra Kai. I watched the first few episodes. He wasn't in those. Um, so I don't really, hate, I'm not really familiar with his work. I had heard a different actor um, on this, which I, which I suppose led me to the the correct actor. And, and I thought that that other actor may have been better suited for it, um, but it's not fair to, to Tanner Buchanan to, to mention that. He he won it fair and square. He was the first choice. Um, yeah. I just see, he, he strikes me as more of like a, well, I guess, I guess it's, it's different. It's not like there's going to be a Zach Siler, you know, the Freddie Prince Jr. And a Paul Walker. Cause he strikes me as more Paul Walker than, than Freddie Prince. But um, yeah, he's going to be the nerd. I guess I'm curious to see who they're going to pair Addison Ray with. Cause I, I, I imagine there needs to be, Someone for her to make this debt with, unless it's going to be like her followers, you know, if her followers are, dare her like, you know, here's the nerdiest guy at our school. You know, can you make him cool? Because that that would kind of be an interesting social media challenge. This kid wouldn't even know, you know, that he was like part of this this big experiment. I don't know. Uh, like she's all that. It's not untouchable for me. I, I wish that they could bring back Kevin Pollack somehow because he, he was awesome. I don't think you'll be seeing any hacky sack in this one. So I, I think all that st- stuff is out. Um, yeah, if you're going to remake like a 90s movie like that, she's all that's fair game, I think. Just leave 10 things I hate about you alone. Amazon announced it's going to be releasing uh, Regina King's directorial debut One Night in Miami on Christmas Day. They have high awards hopes for that one. Um, it sounds good, but it also sounds like kind of like a play. I mean, it's a play that deals with big issues, but it's also sort of set largely inside of like a hotel room, right? I don't know that, that, that could certainly make the cut. Um, guy, Richie announced a gentleman TV series. I really like the gentleman. It's one of the better movies I've seen this year. And when I could you know, keep, uh, updating the, the insider.blogspot.com movie list, and I'm like, wow, like, do you really want to leave the gentleman that high? And it's like, I kind of do. Like, I just I just had fun with it. And it was surprising. And it was cool and sexy. I mean, just, I don't know. Like, um, just really like that one. So now there's going to be a TV series. We'll see if they get anybody from the movie to reprise the roles. A lot of people sort of wind up dead and, and whatnot. Uh, it's not like McConaughey is going to be uh, carrying this thing on his back. But I could also see it working for sure. You know, I mean, this kind of crime series it, it's it's always ripe, right? There's it's not like there's a certain time for that. Everybody gravitates to these kinds of stories, particularly around the weed business and stuff. It's a good move. Good good job by uh, by Miramax TV on that one. Um Kiki Lane and 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 Gemma Chan signing on for Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling and uh I'm starting to worry. I'm starting to worry just a little bit. So we lost Shia LaBeouf, amazing actor, for Harry Styles. who I'm not saying is a bad actor. He was fine. He impressed me in Dunkirk. But that's a step down. Maybe a step up in terms of box office because he's Harry Styles. But when you go from Shia to Harry Styles, that's a step down in my book. When you go from Dakota Johnson to Kiki Lane. Maybe that's a neutral move acting-wise because Kiki Lane was quite good in If in, uh, Beale Street Could Talk. And, but, yeah, in terms of, of box office, it's like the other way. You know, you're going from mega-celebrity Dakota Johnson to, to Kiki Lane. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just like, well, what happened? There? I know that scheduling threw everything off for everybody, but I, I don't know what else Dakota Johnson and Shia LaBeouf are doing. So, did, like, I just did they read a script beforehand? with the roles not... Particularly big enough? Like, is this movie really about Florence Pugh and Chris Pine? You know, something's obviously up with the Chris Pine character. That that, that must be some kind of juicy role because he hasn't fallen out of it yet. Um I just don't want this to be like too Stepford Wives-ish. Like I, I put out some plot details in the last casting story that I did. I think it was about Harry Styles. So if you want to go back and, and read that story, uh, you may get a little bit more than than you bargained for in it. Um Listen, these are two exciting, talented young actresses, Kiki, Kiki Lane and, uh, and Chan, but um, I don't know. It, it started as one thing, and it was Pew, Shy, Dakota, Chris Pine, and now it's kind of morphed into something else, at least just right by the cast. And sometimes I read too much into those things, being a casting reporter. Stephen Gagan signing on to do uh, a surf memoir uh, from William Finnegan called Barbarian Days. Surfing movies, surfing indie movies, surfing indie movies from the director of, uh, what was the last one I did? Gold with Matthew McConaughey. Like, I, I like Stephen King and I actually really liked Gold. Um, I just don't see this being a big deal. Like if I was going to do a surfing movie or TV show or something, I'd go and look at that Don Winslow book, Broken, that just came out, which had a great chapter about you know surfing and surfers and listen i haven't read the memoir i 'm not familiar with, with with William Finnegan, but i don't know Stephen Gagan it just it, it it definitely feels like a departure It feels like something that will just be developed endlessly that's just me, but maybe it's safer to shoot in the water these days rather than on land. <laughs> Used to be the other way around. The Rock is doing a documentary on seven-time Mr. Olympia, Phil Heath. I mean, I really just included this item so I could talk about the standard, which is, like, The Rock should have executive produced this movie. He should have, like, put his name on it afterwards because I thought it was pretty freaking cool. Um, There's no tie-in here. It's just about strong guys, tough guys. Not that I know that Phil Heath is tough. I just know he has beautiful muscles. We don't really, he could be a, a big, uh, you know, sensitive baby underneath it all. But anyways, the standard is about guys who are definitely not babies and women. There's men and women and, and, and they're civilians and they do this like 48 hour special forces training thing. Um, normally it's like 24 days, the stuff that special forces goes through. But, uh, you know, you basically throw these people into these extreme situations there's like no sleep, no food. So you got to do it with like no calories burning inside you. I mean, I mean you have all year to train for it, but it was like very, very interesting to watch it. Check out this trailer for the standard. I was like inspired, like to see how di- how, you know, these people really dig deep and it's like, you have to, your, your mind is telling you to shut down, you know, like, but your body can go further and it's about pushing those limits and, and uh, reaching another like higher plane of existence almost. So that's my, my uh, mini rave review of the standard that is tied to the Mr. Olympia doc simply because it involves people with muscles. Um, Aaron Sorgan said he wants to do a social network sequel, but only if David Fincher directs it. I don't see that happening. David Fincher is a guy who does not like to repeat himself. So I wouldn't hold your breath for that. Um, Drive-in screenings were announced as now being eligible for, you know, the, the best picture nomination stuff. Like if, if you play a drive-in, yeah, it, it, it'll work. That's fine by me. I mean, you know, it seems like that's the only, it's like the only safe alternative really to indoor movie going. Where if you still want to like watch, get get off your couch and watch a movie outside of your house. Um, I mean, everything under the sun seems eligible these days. So why not drive-in screenings, whatever but Variety, though, did a big cover story with Spike Lee, and he was talking about the people who don't, you know, love the new diversity rules, which, like, you know, includes myself, or at least, you know, the way that the, the rules are as they stand. Like, I, I applaud the intention and effort behind the rules, but I um, just don't know if it's the best way to go about it or if it's the Academy's, um, you know, job to, to be litigating that kind of stuff. But anyway, Spike Lee was like, you know, the people who are against this are sort of, are probably the people who voted for Driving Miss Daisy and Green Book. And listen, it's been, I, I, it's been years since I've seen Driving Miss Daisy. I was probably a little kid when, when I saw that. And I understand, you know, that people take issue with that. But Green Book, it's just, it just seems lazy. Like, Green Book is a great movie. I love Green Book. I know a lot of people who loved Green Book. I know a lot of black people who, in fact, loved Green Book. It's like, I hate when people, you know, they're black, they're, they're, they're whatever they are, and you think that they speak for everybody, right? It's just, it's the same like this podcast is one man's opinion. That, that's Spike Lee's opinion. So I get that, you know, that, that these movies tell stories about race from a white perspective. And, but, but it's like, Don Shirley's family had every opportunity to tell this story over the last 30, 40 years, I didn't really know anything about Don Shirley. So would critics of Green Book prefer that I never learned about this, you know, great black man, Don Shirley? They they want me to have never have learned about him rather than learn about him from a white perspective. Is that what we're talking about here? Because then stories about race may not get told at all. And 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 people like Don Shirley fall through the cracks of history. It's, it is like an absurd absurd argument green book was about a a white guy who starts out being racist okay and won't drink out of the same glasses as as the black uh, workers who he has in his house and by the end he's inviting a black man into his home uh for the holidays uh you know around around his family And, and he knows that some of them probably harbor the same views they they didn't go on the trip with him you know but but it's like that's the only way that we can conquer racism is by talking to each other and, and by hanging out. And it's just like, it's, it's maddening to me that there are people who think, well, black people have to be able can only tell uh, black stories or you know, white people should stick to white stories. It's just like, that's not the way art works. So Spike Lee, you kind of disappointed me. Like I'm still a huge fan, a white guy, a huge fan. I know it's, it's wild. Um, but uh, I just, I would, I would ask him to to rethink this this stance because it just, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. That was my little, uh, you know, controversial diatribe. Um, <laughs> we will get back to the news, to the headline: Scott Cooper doing an angels and demons show about a triple more murder in eighties, Florida. You know, Scott Cooper has, has had a, a rough go at a bit. I've, felt like on the big screen and um and you know, who knows what the hell is happening with, with antlers um I, I forget is that off the calendar is that dated for hulu i don't even remember where, what what the hell is happening with that but like he's just he makes good movies i don't think there's like a bad movie in the bunch but and, and I'm, this is not an, a fair comparison because he's definitely better than this next director who, who i'm going to say uh, he's a lot like Brett Ratner in that sense and that like Brett Ratner got a ton of shit but I don't really think Brett Ratner made bad movies I think Brett Ratner made some movies that weren't particularly good but uh, like even in Brett Ratner's bad movies like the, the X-Men The Last Stand or whatever it is you know a bad rush hour sequel like I can you don't sit there hating things and, and with Scott Cooper even though you know Black Mass didn't live up to what it could have been and like you know, I, I don't love Crazy Heart like uh, like some people. Like he makes two and a half star movies, uh, or between two and three, which to me was sort of Ratner's forte. Um, Cooper is a better filmmaker than, than, Brett, than Brett Ratner for sure. But uh, you know, I like the idea of him sort of cooling his his, his heels in TV and doing a TV show for now because he, that could work really well for him. He could sort of you know, build his name up the way like a Carrie Fukunaga did with True Detective. Um, and he just has the right sensibility for, for a show about a triple murder, too. So I'm looking forward to that. Elizabeth Moss uh, doing a Katie Hill Blumhouse show. This is like the fourth or fifth project Elizabeth Moss has signed up for uh, since, you know, basically since the pandemic started. Um, and I understand why. She's riding high off The Invisible Man. It's the best narrative movie I've seen all year. And she's a great actress, too, to boot. But yeah, a lot of different projects. Um, a Katie Hill show? No, not past. Mm-mm, not interested. I know a lot of people like her. And, and But like, too much politics. Like, I'm just burned out on politics as it is. Now we want all these shows exploring politicians and the behind-the-scenes story. Like, the Comey rule. Like, how much press has the Comey rule gotten? Guess what? Not that good. Not that good. And in fact, it was only good... When Donald Trump shows up. That's not to say I like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a horrible piece of shit. But he's an entertaining piece of shit. And the Coney rule only became entertaining on its second night. Uh, but yeah, too, too many shows exploring that stuff. And, and it, like, who's it for? Like, I loved The Loudest Voice, the Roger Ailes show. I thought Blumhouse did an amazing job with that. Uh, Russell Crowe was fantastic. Who watched that show? Do you know people who watched that show? Because I feel like I was the only person watching that show. Speaking of shows, Glow got canceled. And so did On Becoming a God in Central Florida. And the thing that they have in common, other than female leads, um, is that it's due to COVID. So I guess Glow season four had already shot an episode and was had already started filming season two, uh, or sorry, episode two of season four when things shut down. So Glow season four, like the cast had been paid to come back. And I'm uh, Becoming a God in Central Florida also got a, a season two renewal. And now, you know, the, the networks, uh, Netflix and Showtime, walked it back. Because, you know, it's like, and I understand because by the time that, that, that Glow gets back up and running, by the time it then comes out, it's like two and a half years after the last season. Like, is the audience still there? Are they still itching to know what happened? Not to mention with a particular show like Glow, which is about, you know, ladies wrestling. You got people, you know, breathing and exerting themselves all over each other. And it's just not, you can't, it's a tough show to make in the pandemic. I get that. On Becoming a God in Central Florida, obviously different circumstances, but at the same time, who was watching that show? Let's be honest here. This is a, this was an opportunity for Showtime to, because a lot of these renewals, it's not always about ratings. It's not always about business. It's about talent relationships and and you know giving the cutting the creator some slack particularly if you don't have a strong development shelf behind you and maybe that was the case when it got renewed i, I don't really know but to me on becoming a guy in central florida really didn't have much buzz i watched a, an, an episode or two it was a weird show um wasn't into it um it's like self-help and like motivational seminars and stuff and uh You've got a deep bench. You've got Halo, you've got a Ripley show. Like there's a lot of stuff happening at Showtime. They've got other priorities and things to focus on. This is probably the right call uh, at the at the uh, at the end of the day. There's a Resident Evil origin story. Kaya Stolarian and Robbie O'Mell, that sounds about right for this. Honestly, Kaya did um a good job in Crawl. I could see her be- leading, you know, a new Resident Evil franchise cuz with that it's all about, you know, it's all about really the title resident evil. Like Mia Jovovich did a very good job and established herself as a major action actress with that franchise, but it's not like she was like a huge star before then necessarily. Um, There's a bat wheels animated series in the works on HBO max. Sure. Kids need to watch stuff too. Chloe Grace Moretz is starting in William Gibson's the peripheral for Amazon. He does a lot of the cyberpunk stuff. Um, William Gibson. I'm not really familiar with it amazon it's, it's i don't know if this will be an expensive show but like that tales from the loop something like altered carbon on netflix they're all sort of part of the same thing in my mind and, and uh I, I just don't know i just don't know if, if audiences are responding to that stuff oh, what else andy sandberg craig robinson and common are doing a, a movie called super high about a a superhero movie about a strain of weed that you smoke and it gives you superpowers. Is everybody just going to do like a Project Power thing now? Well, you know, soon there'll be um, Super Thirsty and, and it'll be about a, a special kind of Gatorade. And if you drink it, it gives you superpowers. Like you could just go on and on with this. I love the idea of a stoner comedy mixed with superheroes. That's cool. This is the wrong cast for it. This is all wrong. Let me tell you. No one wants common. I mean, is Common the dealer? Is he, you know, the guy coming after you? Like, I don't want to see Common high, that's for sure. Are Andy Sandberg and Craig Robinson, the, the, the stoners here who get superpowers? Like, these guys are too old for this stuff. Craig Robinson, bro, you're too old. I'm sorry. I don't, like, who wants to see this? I don't want to see old people smoking weed. I want to see, like, Richard Jenkins and somebody. like Like, really old people. <laughs> you know, like... You got to grow out of this stuff. Andy Sandberg, Palm Springs. This is what you're going to follow it up with? Like, you're building something here. Don't regress. Go find the next generation of stoners. Go find the Tanner Buchanans and the Noah Centennios, if you will. And, and do this with them because I, I just don't love it. Don't love the casting. Wouldn't have bought that pitch. A Sherlock Holmes-style universe? Say it ain't so. Robert Downey Jr. said that that is exactly what he's working on, using that Marvel model. When you have a, a world of superheroes, you can do that. Bobby. Robbie. Robbie Bobby. Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes? I get it. He's the world's greatest detective. But, like, bro, your, your, your thunder got stolen this month by Enola Holmes. She's like the Holmes that people want to see now. Millie Bobby Brown. So Unless you can get that character in your universe from Netflix, what do you got? Sherlock Holmes 2 is bad. Sherlock Holmes 3 can't get off the starting ground. Like Robert Downey Jr. find another character to go play. I don't know, man. That d- 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 doesn't do it for me. Plus, I mean, you're up against like Benedict Cumberbatch and Sherlock and it's just too much Sherlock. Clint Eastwood found his next movie, Cry Macho. Sounds like a Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, Ryan Murphy, speaking of Richard Jenkins, Ryan Murphy is doing a, a Jeffrey Dahmer series, uh, a limited series called Monster with Richard Jenkins. I forget if they said he's going to be playing Dahmer's dad or another character, but I, I, I like that. We have, you know, Given you know, the Bundy stuff and all the Manson stuff, I actually haven't seen enough from Dahmer, who was my very first fascination as a serial killer since we share a first name Um, oh shit I forgot in all the release date changes I forgot James Bond was the big one James Bond got pushed out of November to next April I believe Um, and yeah that just triggered a shitstorm, man because then like Tenet could open right it wasn't a necessarily terrible decision to open Tenet but you had to have something behind it right and if there's no movies behind it then you just then you're just stuck playing tenant until Wonder Woman comes out in December. That's a long time um, for just one one movie to to own the theater, really. So I'll, I'll do respect to Unhinged, and so I can't blame Regal for or Cineworld for closing up shop. They they own um, Regal, which is the number two chain in in America, and they're like, I mean, at first I thought it was going to be gradual. I thought they were going to you know shut down maybe every other weekend or you know, during the weekdays and on weekends it would be open, but no, they're just pulling a plug. And it's sort of what I said on this pod on this podcast for months, which is like, how do you keep paying electric bills and a staff to show up when customers aren't coming? And if they do come, they're not buying concessions. And if they are buying concessions, then why would I want to go? Because then it just gives people a license to take off their masks in the theater. It's just, so I understand like NATO is really like their backs are against the wall and they're, and they're putting out the save our theaters campaign. And I, I sent an email to Congress like an hour ago via their website. So it's just like a form letter, but studios are really damned. If you do damned, if you don't, because if you do put out movies, they're not going to make a fraction or they are going to make a mere fraction of what they would have made in a, in a healthy marketplace. Right. You can't put out Dune, like, which is an expensive an expensive gamble to begin with. You can't put that out in the middle of a pandemic and just hope people show up. You're just going to lose a ton of money. However, if you don't put some movies out, you know, the sacrificial lambs, if you will, like we just saw Half Brothers get a date, Luke Greenfield's movie that got a trailer today. Um, like, you know, that's sort of being offered up as a sacrificial lamb. You can see some of the movies that, you know, that Disney is keeping out there, the Fox titles, even Death on the Nile, Sacrificial Lambs All, kind of. And maybe Death on the Nile will play more internationally, but you have to put something out in theaters to get the people, just to, like, to remind people you're still there, because out of sight, out of mind, who knows this better than Hollywood? Because if you wait until the pandemic's over, or you know, it, it, who knows when that could be, but if you wait until there's a vaccine and everybody has, has access to it, You could be waiting so long that there are no theaters to come back to. And now you've got all these movies, Ghostbusters, and just a zillion tentpoles, Jungle Cruise, that got pushed, and there's no theaters to play them. And that's why, you know, something's going to happen with these theaters because I I don't think AMC can continue to operate, you know, under the current ownership. Like, it's going to take a a deep-pocketed place like a Netflix or Amazon to come in and rescue theaters. And again, the, the biggest asset that they're getting in that transaction is the real estate. It's the ground on which the, the theater owner, uh, the theaters are. If, if they in fact own, you know, the, the grounds, a lot of, uh, you know, places, you know, pay rent. And, and then that's why they can't just stay closed indefinitely. Um, SNL this week. We saw Jim Carrey play Joe Biden. Didn't love it. Like it just, I just couldn't really reckon it with the Joe Biden that we all see. Uh, you know, he's definitely the right choice for this country at this time. There's no question. But I also understand that the sleepy Joe rhetoric, like it's, it's amazing to me that this is the best that, that that my Democratic Party can do. Um, is this you know old guy who isn't terribly charismatic? Um, but uh, and so Jim Kelly comes out there and he's just all energy, waving his arms around and this and that. I I, I just can we just let the cast do its thing? Do we need to have all these big celebrities come in and, and be like, the, you know, I'm the star of the show and the spotlight's on me for these eight minutes? Not to mention, these fucking sketches just drag on and on. The Chris rock monologue dragged on and on. I think the, the first sketch after the monologue was like 22 minutes into the show. Like, you're, you're almost at Weekend Update at that point um so the first snl did not go particularly well there were you know the, the the video with the uh i can i want to see the lower half of your face like that was funny um there you know there was some funny stuff but you know considering they've had four or five months to write that particular episode or whatever i know they're on vacation and doing other stuff but uh it, it wasn't a great start and um hopefully jim carrey can sort of taper his his impersonation if you will i i understand they don't want to take too many shots at joe biden because you know they ultimately want people to vote for this guy um by the way i love the the fly in in mike pence's hair at the vp debate uh last night that was like who's going to play the, the fly if only they could get jeff uh jeff goldblum i mean they did shut down jurassic world maybe maybe he'll go to new york and play the fly buzzing around that would be kind of uh hilarious all right. What else we got? What else we got? A few other things. Totally under control. You guys see the trailer for that movie. Ter- terrifying. Um, I, it's, it's, it sounds like it's uh, worth the watch. Emma Mackey from Sex Education joined some working title project. Nell Gwynn. I don't watch Sex Education. Not terribly familiar with the, with that story either. Sandra Oh doing a, a movie called Umma, um, Where I think she's like, turning into her mother of, of in some way. Um, all right. Fukunaga doing that masters of the air show for Apple. And he's signing, it sounds like he's signing an overall deal at Apple. So, you know, it's just one more creator that they're hopping into business with. Uh, I like that for them because they need to do more stuff like defending Jacob and Fukunaga's is the guy to deliver it. Um, I wrote a piece this week about strange days at 25. I, I, I'll be honest. It, I don't think it was my, my best piece. I was, it was kind of unfocused, uh, Adam Chitwood was nice enough to, to publish it in its uh, rough raw state. Um, you know, I have a I had a lot of thoughts about Strange Days and it's one of my favorite 90s movies. Maybe I bit off more than I could chew with the assignment or I just didn't I don't know that I answered like the I don't know if I laid out the hypothesis that I put forth or answered the questions that I that I posed at the beginning, but it's worth reading. If you're a fan of Strange Days, like it's a great movie. It's, it was way 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 ahead of its time. You think about you know, it's about two cops who pull over a, a black guy and, and shoot him, an innocent black guy, and it's captured on camera. Like, everybody has these, you know, recording devices are widespread. They're, they're not on phones. It's a virtual reality squid thing. But Catherine Bigelow, it's one of my favorite Catherine Bigelow movies. Great cast. Like, Angela Bassett, she's one like one of the toughest female characters I've ever seen in a movie. We've got female characters. One of the toughest characters I've ever seen, period. Um and I loved like the interracial romance at the center that doesn't really call attention to itself. Like you didn't really see a lot of that. You didn't see a, a black woman saving a white guy in in movies in the '90s a ton, and you didn't see uh you know a lot of interracial romances like in movies that weren't about the interracial romance itself, like Jungle Fever or something. Um, so if you've never seen Strange Days. Track down a DVD or a Blu-ray. I don't even know if it's on Blu-ray because it's not streaming. I couldn't find it anywhere. Maybe I would never advocate for piracy, but uh, like Fox, Disney, put that out on a streaming service or something. Make that available on Hulu because it's so prescient for the times. I love, I just love Strange Days. All right. It's time to talk about uh, trailers and movies and stuff like that. Let's start with um, trailers. Start with trailers. Make Man came out today. We got a teaser. It was a little underwhelming. I know we've all built makeup so much in our heads because it's David Fincher. And he's like my favorite filmmaker along with Tarantino. And it's about Citizen Kane and Hollywood. And uh, it's black and white. It looks gorgeous. And it means something to Fincher because his father, his late father, actually wrote the script. And I've, you know, I've heard good things about it. I've heard, I've heard it came out great. Um, I just, you know, it's it's not your normal teaser. It was very stylized. You know, it's supposed to be in the style of those you know, movies from the, the 30s and 40s. And um, I don't know. You, you can make a movie like that look more exciting than it really is. For me, it was just like, this thing is real and we're getting it on December 4th. It's coming to select theaters in November, um, but it's happening on, uh, it's coming to Netflix on December 4th. Collider actually, like, was basically the first outlet to put that story out there, by the way. So Netflix has this issue, we'll say, where the publicists – there's just so many publicists. It's an army of publicists, and none of them are on the same page. And so uh, these first-look images got uploaded to Netflix, I think it was yesterday – and they, in the metadata of the images, include, and included the release date, like, you know, in select theaters November, you know, coming on Netflix December 4th. And so we seized on it and, and we put it out there and none of the trades even followed. They were like too afraid. Um, and, uh, and sure enough, those photos on the EPK site were re-uploaded without that in the caption. So someone at Netflix either made an error or, you know, as, as some on, the, on staff think, David Fincher does this on purpose. He actually does not make a mistake. Everything is very intentional with Fincher, and they thought that, uh, that this release date leak would be intentional as well, and that the eagle-eyed among us, like yours truly, really my coworkers who are much better at finding that stuff than I am, uh, I'm, just, I'm just the guy with the balls to put, my, to put my name on it and piss off Fincher and Netflix. Um, I, they, they thought that was very deliberate, and uh, and this morning you know there was this whole it was fascinating i watched it for like 20 minutes this thing on reddit with a guy you know threading the film and, and like prepping the trailer for its debut uh it, it was annoying because it was like just get to the trailer already man but it was also so like suspenseful and kind of gorgeously well done i, I kind of loved it um but it would have been nice if it was fincher himself and not some other guy some projectionist uh I think I don't know if I talked about it last week Amazon finally put out a trailer for Sound of Metal looks amazing. Yeah I think I did talk about it cuz I was mad that Amazon hasn't sent me a link yet whereas I know other people who have gotten the link. But uh it, it just it looks like a special movie and and you know like how is a movie like that not on you know in the awards predictions that Variety or Hollywood Reporter already have up there even though they've seen like three movies. Like, it's crazy to me, some of the movies that are on there, but it's never, like, a risky one, like Sound of Metal. No one ever sticks their neck out there for for a movie like that, and it's just so frustrating, especially when you see some of the movies that are on there, and you're like, really? You think that could get a a Best Picture nomination? And, by the way, if Tenet gets a a Best Picture nomination, like, it's going to be strictly because it had the balls to come out during a pandemic and try to save theaters, Like, give me a break. That movie does not deserve a Best Picture nomination for just going in reverse. The fucking story is totally convoluted. The sound is incomprehensible. The acting is mediocre at best. Like, give me a break. I'm sure it'll happen then, because I've been way off on the Oscars for the last couple of years. Uh, We also got a first look at uh, Paul Greengrass's News of the World with Tom Hanks, about a guy who goes from town to town reading the news um and he takes you know a a young girl under his wing as well um an orphaned young girl i believe it sounds interesting but i don't know if that's going to be great i just well i guess we'll see if if greengrass is the guy to, to pull that off it just seems a little too sentimental for him um we got a trailer for fat man which has mel gibson playing santa claus and some 12 year old brat doesn't like what he gets for christmas and hires a hitman to go kill santa claus Sign me up. This is the kind of ridiculous movie, kind of like Becky, that I am totally all in for. Don't care if it's Mel Gibson. People are always like, Mel Gibson. I don't want to write up that trailer. I don't want to see that thing. Like, you know what? I don't care. And I, and I mentioned this to my dad this morning. We don't care. He doesn't like Jews. Whatever. Okay. Fine, Mel Gibson. But if you make a movie with a premise that I want to see, I'll still see it. We watched Force of Nature. Like I can just, I can separate the art from the artists. Like Mel Gibson, a-hole, Mel Gibson, the person a-hole, Mel Gibson, the movie star, effective, frankly, you know, he's charismatic. Like I just, again, tell me a story I'm interested in and I don't care who makes it. I'm there. That's a personal choice. And that's up to you. Half brothers. As I mentioned before, Luke Greenfield, this is my, my old boss, who, who did not appreciate me writing about this movie earlier than I should have. Didn't appreciate it. Uh, trailer looks okay. It wasn't a great trailer, I don't think. Um, but here's the thing about Luke. And, and I say this, forget as somebody who, who interned for him and, and once had a friendship with him. Apparently Luke is talented. Luke is, is the rare comedy director who can make you feel something. Most, you know, a lot of these guys, they can shoot comedy sequences and set pieces and and they can get the big laugh. But can they make you feel something at the end of the day? Not most. And Luke can. And so, you know, this may have been a bigger hit with Half Brothers starring Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. Uh, Instead, it's it's this guy, Luis Gerardo Mendez, who's a rising star in Mexico and. um, And Conor Del Rio, I think it is. I'm not really familiar with with either one of them. I mean, Luis Gerardo Mendez was in a uh, murder mystery la- last uh, summer with with Sandler and Aniston, but um, was that this summer? I can't I can't keep track. I think it was last summer. Anyways, it's probably not going to do any business. I don't think like, Focus expects it to do any business, but if it has heart maybe it comes out of nowhere to surprise again he didn't make this movie you know knowing that there would be a pandemic and and given the current circumstances so it has sort of changed things um but they're planning to put this thing out in theaters like weird timing with like you're coming out the same day as as mank again how many people are really going to watch a black and white movie uh you know with, with gary oldman on netflix it's not like he's will smith that is exciting to a very small segment of the population so maybe people will turn out in theaters for it but you know as far as like marketing and pr goes couldn't believe that focus put that half brothers trailer out on the same day as like all the film twitter's pump for the make trailer get get some into inside intel over there uh, we saw a trailer for this documentary collective which was all about like government corruption i think in russia maybe i don't know, I forget where but it sounded, it looked Amazing. Uh, Adam's Family 2 we got to look at. Bill Hader joins the cast. And then Javon Walton from Euphoria and Utopia has, uh, is going to be playing Pugsley. He's going to take over the voice duties um, from Finn Wolfhard, which is weird. Who gives up voice duties in a sequel? Like Finn Wolfhard, are, are you too busy with Stranger Things 4? Is that it? Or is it like, because this is free money. You stand in a phone booth or, or a sound booth and, and you say a few words. Give me a million dollars. Like, What? Who gives that up do they, do they just not like what he brought to it? And they want a little more attitude. Arch enemy. We got to look at with uh, Joe Manganiello as a guy who may or may not be from another dimension and starts taking out, you know, drug Lords and stuff. It's, it sounded like a VFW, which, you know, came out earlier this year crossed with like hobo with a shotgun. Uh, it, it looked kind of crazy. So I, I like Joe Manganiello. I think he's a good guy. Unlike Mel Gibson, he's an actual good guy, it seems like to me. So I, I, I always root for Joe to succeed, and I'm down to check that out. Mortal with Nat Wolf as, as an angry American god. This is like Chronicle, but is the guy more of a hero than a villain? I, I like Nat Wolf, and you know he has experience doing this kind of thing with uh, Death Note. Uh, Black Bear, we got a trailer for another Sundance indie with uh, you know Aubrey Plaza and Chris Abbott. Weird trailer, seems like a weird movie, wasn't sure what the tone was going to be. The three fifty-five, the three five-five. Excuse me. What a uh, I'm sorry. This I don't know if that, if that is like the movie that Charlie's Angels should have been, or if it's just going or like a female Mission Impossible, or if it just looks ridiculous. Clayton Davis wrote something this week at Variety that was like, you know, Penelope Cruz is playing a Colombian and she's really his, you know from Spain and 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 Hispanic is not Latina and it's like all of that is is totally right and, and I understand you know, um, why why Clayton wrote that. But at the same time, it's like, it's a business, man. Like, I, I get that there may have been a Colombian actress more appropriate to play a Colombian character. And, may, you know, I don't know why they couldn't have just made Penelope Cruz's character Spanish. But there aren't many people who are on Penelope Cruz's level. Like, she's an Oscar winner. She's an international star. So no matter what Colombian actress you get, it's going it's going to be a downgrade. She's going to be a downgrade from 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 uh penelope cruz and it's just like you you guys have to keep in mind you know unless it's like a julian schnabel movie or something movies get made to make money and they need stars to make money penelope cruz is a star and that's why she's getting cast as colombian peruvian whatever it is i understand the frustration but i don't necessarily think you should be offended by it you know uh, so, so Clayton had every right to, to write that piece totally entitled and, and I understand the, the frustration on, on his part. Um, but uh, yeah, just as a you know film business reporter, it's like I don't know how much more you can really ask of the studios. Like, yeah, they cast Melody Cruz's Columbian, boycott boy got it. Uh, you know, what do you want? The Witches for Robert Zemeckis coming to uh, HBO Max. This was a bit of a surprise announcement, although trailer didn't look very good. Like this seem like a quality dump to me this i mean maybe super intelligence is the same way or maybe melissa mccarthy really was like you guys have a new streaming service and i think my movie should premiere there um seems to me like a dump seems to me like man it did not look good at all <laughs> i didn't think Anne hathaway doing that and it's she's come full circle right from uh, devil devil works or whatever but uh she's now playing the miranda priestley role I loved uh, Roald Dahl books growing up and stuff, but I uh, don't know, which is tough, tough to get to excited about this one. There were trailers for His House, which is a, a horror movie on Netflix you should be paying attention to, although I missed the premiere. Dick Johnson is Dead, a documentary I thought looked really charming and wonderful. I think that's coming to Netflix. Minari, I don't know if that came out last week and we talked about it, but I think that looks great. I love the humor that I saw in that trailer. Um, Belushi documentary coming up on Showtime. Very interested about that. Check out the comedy store series that they have. And then Borat too. We got a trailer for that. Uh, again, I can't remember if I, if I talked about that on the, sh- on the show last week or not. Didn't really get a ton of laugh out loud moments from me, but I understand they're probably keeping a lot of stuff uh, top secret. And then the reviews I saw, oh man, this this episode's going long. Sorry, Thad. I watched uh, Hubie Halloween last night, a disappointing effort from, from Adam Sandler, particularly after Uncut Gems. And you know, it, I just thought he could have recaptured some of that early mojo. There was a sweetness to it. It wasn't the, the worst thing he's done on Netflix, but I also thought there were all, like, he's he just gotta have somebody to pull him aside and tell him to stop doing those accents. It really it hurt the enjoyment of the movie. Um, you know, if, if Hubie Halloween's not your cup of tea, check out an American murder on Netflix or vampires vs the Bronx. I was, I thought that was very charming. You know, that that's made by a bunch of people uh, from SNL. Very, uh, you know, talented young cast that, that, that it had. It kept me uh, interested. But American Murder, super well done. True crime documentary. Chilling stuff. I finally finished Ted Lasso this week. Great. Just wonderful. Who would have thought Apple with Ted Lasso and Morning Show and Defending Jacob that they can actually, you know, ha- have some really quality shows on that service. So if you're not subscribing to Apple, try, uh, try and do that. Utopia. I finished that one, that's on Amazon. I really liked how it ended. And and by the way, like, I'm not gonna spoil uh, it for people who haven't seen it, but kind of a crazy explanation behind everything that was going on on that show from from John Cusack. And I understand why a certain character makes a choice, they do at the end, to to betray other people. Um, I, I think that that is like a real problem. The issue alluded to at the end of that episode And and it really kind of does make you think twice about uh, a certain thing that we're all looking forward to in the next few months or, or, you know, next year. I think everybody in the world is looking forward to this particular thing. And it really does kind of make you question it. I'm not an an anti-vaxxer, but uh, yeah, Scary, scary stuff for sure. I watched On the Rocks this week, um, the Sofia Coppola movie with Bill Murray. Great to spend ninety minutes with Bill Murray again, or an hour, or whatever it is. Him and uh, Rashida Jones had, had you know good chemistry as, as father daughter. That's worth checking out on Apple. Wild card that I can finally talk about that. The HBO documentary. This is about a guy who was you know hosting a the biggest talk radio show in New York. And, uh, you know, was just racking up huge gambling debts and lying to, to people, committed fraud. And, and he ended up going to jail. And, and it, like his rise and fall, I thought was fascinating. Very short, too. A quick, like, you know, 80 minutes or so. Check that out on, on, on uh, HBO or HBO Max. We already talked about the standard. We talked about all the trailers. Let's take some mailbag questions for the last five minutes of the show. because otherwise, Thad's going to murder me. Uh, Will Jujulis with the Jamie Foxx Spider-Man news. Is it safe to assume that his Spawn movie is dead? I haven't heard anything about Spawn. I don't think that like him reprising his role as Electro would you know mean he's not going to do another comic book movie. Um, I just haven't heard anything about Spawn. And anytime I do hear anything about Spawn, it's always from Todd McFarlane, not from Blumhouse. I hated the original Spawn. I don't know. I, I guess people, I guess it has its fans and, and, and there are people excited about this, but Given the, the backlog of comic book movies that we have, I don't know how a smaller title like that finds the right weekend to slip in and and, and become a hit. I think it's just another Hellboy waiting to happen. Like, why would you do that? Uh, Will also says, I saw that there were set photos of Sean Penn on the new PTA film. Any idea if that means he has some kind of role in the movie? Uh, this has not been confirmed, but I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I- I'm going to, to, to suggest that I know, listen, it's a pandemic and I'm sure everybody would love to be visiting each other's sets and, and visiting their friends and that kind of stuff. But it just seems like an unnecessary risk unless, of course, you're at work. And uh, I could I could definitely see Sean Penn jumping at the chance to work with Paul Thomas Anderson. It's probably not a big thing, but uh, I got a no comment when I reached down. I, I just, that was the vibe that I was getting is that Sean Penn will, in fact, be in the next PTA movie, but do not take that for gospel from me. Uh, Derek Walger Jr. says, with all the movies being delayed and not making their original release dates, do you know if all the studios were given extensions from the banks to pay back loans to develop all these movies? I know theaters are in financial trouble, so could some of these studios at this point, uh, especially the smaller ones, for sure. Listen, the studios were in financial trouble before the pandemic, okay? Whether that's, you know, Paramount and, and Sony and, you know, they're, they're, like everybody's about getting bigger now, right? And, and joining forces. And uh, we'd always heard those studios as prime takeover targets you know, Paramount's pivoting to streaming in a, in a major way. They they all kind of have to adapt and, and get with the times. And uh, yeah, it's totally possible you can see some of these companies disappear, but it's more likely, I think, that we'd see theater companies affected because, you know, these studios can, can still pawn their stuff off on streaming services and, and, and keep cash flow coming. And then lastly, Thomas Drufke says, you mentioned protocol in the past when a studio responds to one of your scoops with a no comment or no truth to this. Do they ever actually respond to one of your inquiries saying, yes, this is true? Or do you just assume when they say no comment, there's a good chance it's true? I'm always curious about the -the behind-the-scenes to the Scoop reporting game. Um, So, no, that's not how it works at all. Uh, Yeah, they tell me if something is true. No comment doesn't mean it's true. (laughs) Like, I mean generally they will tell you something if something is not true and keep you from making an ass of yourself. But there are certainly a lot of things that studios just like aren't prepared to comment on or can't comment on or, you know, it's just not allowed. And and so just because you get a no comment doesn't mean like, a, oh, they're they're hiding something and they would tell me if it was a no. So it must be a yes. That is definitely not how it works. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, hope that answers your question. And Thomas, if you, if you ever have any other questions, you can always um, DM me uh now lastly jacob allen says uh, the insider was the jason momoa frosty the snowman project fake like he claims this question was asked a few weeks ago when, when uh, jason momoa made that allegation on on uh on, on twitter i don't i don't i think it's probably somewhere in between i think a lot of these projects get announced before deals are done and so jason momoa probably didn't have a deal done and yet you know in a normal circumstance yeah, I don't. I don't I think Jason Momoa would be fine voicing a Frosted the Snowman. I'm sure he was aware of the project and had agreed to do it should it come to fruition one day, you know, provided they meet his terms. So that sort of, you know, at that point, if you ask the studio, they're like, yeah, we're making that movie with Jason Momoa. And if a reporter asked, then that's what they'd probably say. And I'm sure they didn't go to Momoa's team for confirmation. If the studio says something, it's generally, uh, you generally take that as, as gospel. For the most part, unless it's a budget, in which case you always second guess that. Um, so you know, I think that I don't think the trades just pulled something out of their ass, or, or like that. Warner Brothers is lying to to the trades because they have to be in business with each other on uh, things that are a lot bigger and more important than Frosted Snowman. But it was, you know, probably just. That, that kind of situation where a trade asked for confirmation and, and Warner Brothers said yes, or Warner Brothers puts a story out there, um, you know, because, Hey, we've got a new Jason Momoa movie. That's exciting. Let's, let's tell deadline. But to Jason Momoa, it's like, well, I didn't sign on the dotted line. It was more of a verbal commitment. This isn't real. Who knows? Uh, again, they have Aquaman two and Dune and like they have a lot of business together. It, it, if Warner Brothers wants to be true and has the money, Jason Momoa is probably going to say yes. Again, you stand at a phone booth, a uh, sound booth, and you say a few lines. I don't know why I keep calling it a phone booth. Those things don't exist anymore. Anyways, that'll do it for the Snyder Cut this week. Sorry for the long episode, folks. I am at the Insider on Twitter, even though I'm not on it. Instagram. You can find me on Cameo. Nobody's ordering Cameos. You're all watching the show. Let's have a dialogue privately on Cameo for just $14.99. I mean, that's a bargain, guys. You've seen a lot of bad movies for more than $14.99, I'm sure. That's it. That's the show. Thank you. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask. We're going to get through this together. Ride with Biden. Later. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you gotta play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy to use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There's an underdog story happening today in America. Small businesses are fighting to make a comeback, but in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities and neighborhoods, yet asking for little in return. Well, it's time we gave back. Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and support the small businesses that unite us all. Find out how you can donate, shop, and share today at smallunites.org.